thinking about this question, what, what if there's no resurrection, some words start to pop in my mind, like just single words that just have definitions with them. It's some things that pop in my mind are like wonder. Like, like I, I just feel like wonder would have taken over people. Like, like what, what happened? I wonder what happened to Jesus. Think about his disciples. Like, is he ever coming back? He said he was the resurrection and the life. Was he a liar? Confusion. Well, did he say that? Was he really the Messiah? Fear. How do we get to heaven now? Because, you see, Jesus came and he said, you don't have to be good enough to get to heaven. You just need to be saved to get to heaven. I'll make you good. You just get saved. I'll make you good. You'll get to heaven. Well, now if Jesus is not risen from the grave, now all of a sudden we go back to the good game. i got to be good enough to get into heaven and hope that I'm good enough one day. Disappointment. Hopelessness. Misery. Defeat. Betrayal if there's no resurrection. That's just some of the words that come to mind. I think about the the disciples and they gave up everything to follow Jesus. They quit their jobs to follow him. When he ascended into heaven, he had about 500 followers. I think about his mom. Think about Mary. Like, did I just have a bad dream because I ate some tomato sauce and, 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 and thought that I was giving birth to Jesus and the Son of God and all these other things? I think about Mary Magdalene, the first one to the tomb. What if she rolls up to the tomb and the stone's still there? If there's no resurrection, the whole mission of Jesus and everything he did and said ends right there at the grave. It's a place that we can always go back to and say, this is where Jesus was buried. He was a great prophet. He was a good man. He did lots of miracles. We thought he was the Messiah, but I guess he wasn't. I believe that not only his mission and and vision dies right there, but I believe it starts to decay in that moment. I believe questions are start to raise and and conspiracies are developed and then hurt leads to bitterness and eventually all that Jesus did is lost. Think about it. If he does not come out of the grave. Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go with me there with your Bibles. He says this in verse 30. I'm going to read it to you from the message translation. He says, now let me ask you something profound yet troubling. If you became believers because you trusted the proclamation that Christ is alive, risen from the dead, how can you let people say that there is no such thing as a resurrection? If there's no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything he told you is smoke and mirrors. And everything you've stacked your life on is smoke and mirrors. Not only that, but we would be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All these affidavits we passed on to you verifying that God raised up Christ. Sheer fabrications if there's no resurrection. If corpses can't be raised, then Christ wasn't. Because he was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all who are... 
all you're doing is wandering about in the dark as lost as ever. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ in the resurrection because they've already gone to the graves. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. Listen to this last sentence. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up. The first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. Come on, somebody. A long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. Come on. Because he was raised. So if there's no resurrection for Jesus, then there's no hope for us. Now watch this. We got to make this personal for a minute. Because we're talking about what would it be like if there was no resurrection. You see, some of us in this room live as though there is no resurrection. We act sometimes as if there is no resurrection. We make decisions as if there is no resurrection. We fall into the temptations of the world as if there is no resurrection. We dress up, we come to church, we use religious slang, we say all these things. We may even read our Bible and pray to God, but we live as though there is no resurrection. Hopeless, wandering, full of fear. As if to say Christ never came out of the grave. We speak sometimes as though there's no resurrection. If there is no resurrection, then Good Friday becomes Black Friday. Second question. What if there is a resurrection but there is no proof? Come on, you tracking with me this morning? Go with me to John chapter 20. What if there is a resurrection without proof? John 20, verse 1 and 2. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, John, the one whom Jesus loved. It's funny how John describes himself. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. They. Who's they? They have taken his body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. This is interesting, because Mary Magdalene is the first one to the tomb, which I think is pretty cool. She was, she was anxious enough to see if he was actually going to raise from the grave. She was anxious enough to get up early enough. <laughs> she beat her alarm clock up. Come on, somebody. Because she was anxious to see Jesus. And when she sees that he's not there, she panics. She hits the panic button. She runs to Peter and John. And then they end up running back to the tomb. We'll get to that in just a minute. And all she can say is that he's no longer there. She's running and freaking out. As if somebody took him. Jesus is taken. Jesus is taken. Here's a list of words that come to mind when I think about a resurrection without proof. 
You ready? Wonder. Confusion. Fear. Disappointment. Hopelessness. Misery. Defeat. Betrayal. And I'm going to add one to it. Conspiracy. So if Jesus never shows himself to anyone again, but he's not in the grave, it, it feels like we're moving in a better direction, right? Like, so maybe he did raise from the dead, or maybe somebody took him. You can't, you can't prove one or the other because you've never seen Jesus for yourself, so that you're left up for hope, you're left up to conspiracies, you're left up to stories, rumors. Is this making sense? Look at verse 11 and 13. Mary comes back to the tomb. And she was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they've put him. Somebody took him, but I don't know where they put him. <laughs> you see, if there's no proof, then there's too much room left for doubt. So here's a couple of questions for you. Is Jesus alive to you? Is Jesus alive to you? No, I, I like really mean this question. Like it's not just a little light question to get you thinking in a certain direction. Like is Jesus literally alive to you? Like do you know him? Do you recognize his voice? Have you experienced him? Have you got to know him in a very personal way? Is Jesus alive to you? I'm not talking about some dude on the page of a Bible. I'm talking about Jesus himself. Is he alive to you? Has he been proved to you over and over again that he's alive and he's involved in your life? Is he real to you or not? Because you need to answer that question because if he's not real to you, he wants to become real to you. Maybe the only thing you're missing in your life today is proof that Jesus is alive. Have you experienced his presence in your life? Because let me tell you something, from my own experience, until Jesus becomes alive to you, you're still kind of just running on your own fumes. What if there is a resurrection, but there's no proof? Do you know it's possible for us to give our lives to Jesus, but not know that he's alive? Do you know it's possible to pray a certain prayer at any age of your life and even receive salvation and go through life not even realizing that Jesus is alive? The only way you know Jesus is from the pages of the Bible. You've never heard his voice. You've never, he said that. He said, my sheep recognize my voice. You've never heard his voice. How are you sustaining? How are you keeping on going? How can you continue if you don't know that he's alive? Maybe that's why we fall and we give up too early and we quit and we, and we throw in the towel. It's hard to live for a myth. <laughs> it's hard to live for a rumor. So what if there's no resurrection? And then what if there was a resurrection without proof? What if Jesus never showed himself to anybody? 
And let's say he really did raise from the grave. Nobody took him. Let's say he raised from the grave. Let's say God did what he said. He raised Jesus from the grave, but he never showed himself to anybody. How do we live? How do we know? Third question. What if there is a resurrection with proof? What does that mean to us? Same chapter in John chapter 20. Go back to verse 6. I'm going to introduce you to Paul and P, I mean Peter and, and John in this story. So, so Mary Magdalene took off running the first time. She found Simon, Peter, and John, and they took off running back to the tomb. And I'm really kind of bothered because John said he's faster than Peter. I'm like, dude, seriously. <laughs> Verse 6. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He arrived at the tomb last. John got there first. He made sure to tell us that in the previous verses. But John got to the tomb but wasn't brave enough to walk in. Peter got there last, but he was brave enough to walk in. So what's the lesson? You don't need to be fast. You just need to be courageous. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so Simon Peter arrives at the tomb, and he went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings, the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. Very interesting. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Verse 10, then they went home. <laughs> just love the Bible. It's funny. They just, just went home. They go inside, not yet believing. Mary came and told them that Jesus wasn't there. Somebody took him. They go running back to the tomb. Peter goes directly in. And what does he see? The Bible throws out some, some pretty amazing detail in this story. The Bible throws out the fact that the clothes that he was wrapped in were, were thrown to the side, just kind of bundled and thrown to the side. But the handkerchief or the cloth that covered his face was folded and placed apart from the grave clothes. Did you catch the detail? That's extreme detail right there. The fact that it was folded and placed away from the grave clothes that were just bundled up says a whole lot to Peter and John. Because you got to understand something. In that moment, they believed. What made them believe? It wasn't just an empty tomb because Mary saw an empty tomb and she didn't believe. The proof was that the grave clothes were bundled on one side and the face cloth was folded and placed on the other side. Which means this, that a thief does not take the time to fold up the clothes when he takes the body. <laughs> Even if the thief does have OCD. Come on, somebody. <laughs> no one takes the time to fold the cloth and place it apart from the others. When they saw that, I believe they realized no one took him. He must have been raised. Because it says this. It says, and he saw and believed. What does it take for you to believe? 
This is an interesting question. What does it take for you to believe that Jesus is alive and Jesus is real? What does it take? What is it going to take? I asked the question while writing the message, why did John believe and Mary didn't? (laughs) You want to know why? Because John went in and Mary didn't. Because you see, when you go into a relationship with Jesus, you see things that you've never seen before. When you go in with Jesus, your eyes are open to things that you've never been open to before. When you go all in with Jesus, you become alive and your sight becomes clear. If you just want to remain on the outside and just kind of look in, you're not going to see the whole story. You're not going to experience the whole thing. You may not even really believe because you were too afraid to go in. John was even afraid to go in because Peter went in. He went in. Come on, somebody. And because he went in, he believed, but Mary didn't because Mary wanted to stay on the outside. How long are you going to stay on the outside? Who's ready to go in? Who's ready to go all in with Jesus? Who's ready to forsake everything that this world has to offer you to go all in with Jesus? Because when you do, then you'll start to see. Then you'll start to understand. Watch this. Then you'll really start to live. Because living for the world is still death. But living for Jesus is life. John believed by seeing an empty tomb in a folded cloth. But Mary would believe right afterwards. Because Mary would hear and see Jesus personally. You see, when I ask the question, what is it going to take for you to believe, Jesus will meet you wherever you need him to meet you at. Jesus will show himself to you in whichever way you want him to show yourself, himself to you. He's no respecter. He doesn't say that this is the only way to see me. This is the only way to know me. you got to say Christian words and you got to dress this. He didn't say that. He says, however you need to believe, I'll meet that need. So where is our proof? I think we're all here today because we believe that Jesus rose from the grave. But where's our proof that he's alive? Where's our proof that he talks to us and he walks with us? Where's our proof? Go with me to Acts chapter 1 verse 3. It says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved, to listen to this, and he proved to them in many ways There it is. In many ways that he was actually alive. And then he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Forty days after today, that would be the next 40 days, Jesus would show himself to people to prove. Listen to me, this is important. To prove that he's alive. He wants you to know that he's alive. He spent 40 days hanging out, showing himself to make sure that they knew he was alive. To prove to them that not only did he raise, but he's alive. Paul would tell us in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus appeared to his disciples. He appeared to 500 plus of his followers. And then later on, he would even appear to Paul. After he ascended into heaven, 
You mean like he ascended into heaven and he still appeared to Paul? Yeah. What does that mean for us? He can still appear to you too. <laughs> Half of you believe it. <laughs> Maybe, okay, three quarters. How many of you remember Doubting Thomas? I'm just trying to prove a point here today. How many of you remember Doubting Thomas? Come on, Thomas didn't want to believe. You know what happened with Thomas? I think Thomas's issue is he wasn't there when Jesus showed up the first time. You remember the story where Jesus walks through the locked doors and he walks into the room and just boom, and he goes, Shazam. You know, y'all didn't read that part where he said, Shazam, and they all messed up their tunics and... <laughs> Jesus walks through the building and he walks inside and he shows himself to his disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. And he spends some time talking to him about the kingdom of God. Then he, he, he leaves. And then Thomas comes. You ever been late to the party? Come on, somebody. You ever, you ever should have been somewhere else other than where you were and you missed out on something really good? Mm-hmm. Thomas comes back and said, bro, we saw Jesus. Thomas makes a very bold statement. He says, I ain't going to believe it until I see the nails in his hands, the nail scars in his hands, and I put my finger in them. I ain't going to believe it until I can put my hand in the, in the hole in the side of his ribs. He makes a very bold statement. Remember, Jesus wasn't in the room when he makes this statement. Verse 26 and 29 of John 20, listen to what it says. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. <laughs> the doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he, <laughs> he goes straight to Thomas. Then he said to Thomas, come here, boy. <laughs> Put your finger right here. Put your hand right here. Put your finger right here and look at my scars. Put your hand in my side. Remember what you said? You said you wouldn't believe until you could put your finger in my nail holes and your hand in my side. Remember that? Now, then watch what he says. He says, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord, my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. This is a beautiful story. Because Jesus wasn't mad at him. He wasn't mad at him. I believe Jesus came back simply for Thomas. He walks in the room and he says, hey, Thomas, because he goes straight at him. Hey, Thomas, come see. Put your finger right there. What's that feel like? Put your hand right here. Now believe. That's a beautiful story. You know what that tells me? That Jesus wants you to know he's alive so bad that he'll, he'll prove it to you in any way that you need him to prove it to you. So make your prideful, boldful statements. I'm not going to believe until this. I'm not going to believe until that. But just be ready because he's going to come. <laughs> He didn't rebuke him. Yeah. 
You see, Jesus loves us enough to do extraordinary things to prove to us that he's alive and he's real and he loves us. Watch this in Acts chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, and I'm going to bring this to a close. Jesus was on the, on the, the shore, on the beach, talking with his, his guys. There was gals there too, by the way. Just, you know, in case some of you ladies were wondering. <laughs> verse 9, he says this. It says, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him, rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. I want you to notice something, that this time they see Jesus ascending into heaven on a cloud. I got this strange image in my head that Jesus was kind of going. <laughs> I, maybe he did this. I don't know. But Jesus is floating up in the cloud, and he's on his way to heaven. Watch this. And he's alive. The last time he left him, he was dead. But now he's alive. And the angel says to him, the same way you see him go, he's going to come back. Oh, that's so good. He was taken not to a grave, but taken to heaven. But someday he's coming back. How's he going to come back? He's going to come back physically, visibly, and in the clouds. He's going to come out of the clouds. He's going to come back physically, visibly from the clouds. You better get ready because Jesus is going to come back physically, visibly from the clouds. Are you ready for him to come back? Or are you afraid for him to come back because you're not ready? He left alive and he's coming back alive to bring us home to eternity forever. No mosquitoes, no calories. Come on, somebody. I get a new body. I'm going for the slim look. Just telling you right now. I might even try short and slim. With extra hair. I'm ready. Let's go. I put my order in. Are you ready for him to come back? Because let me let you in on a little secret. The only thing he's waiting to come back on is God to say, go. Every sign that we know of, every, every example, everything that never needed to happen has happened. All the boxes are checked. He can come any moment. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready and is Jesus real to you? That's the two questions I want to leave you with today. Are you ready? And is Jesus real to you? If he's not real to you, ask him to make himself real. But you better hang on because he will. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> so the old hymn, come on, Stephen and Leeson. The old hymn in Virginia or whoever else is coming. The old hymn says this. I'm just going to read a few things from you. 
It says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. (laughs) Because I know he's alive and engaged. Not only was he in my past, but he's in my tomorrow. He's prepping me and my surroundings for tomorrow. So because he lives, I can face tomorrow. No matter how bad it is. No matter how scary it is. I can face it because if he's alive, then I'm alive. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I don't have to be afraid of anything. Fear of being alone is gone. Fear of being left behind is gone. Fear of no heaven is gone. Fear that he's forgotten about me is gone. Fear that I won't make it is gone. Fear of what anything this world can do to me is gone. Because watch this. If I die, I get a promotion. If I live, I get more opportunity to bring him glory. So what can this world do to me? All fear is gone. Because he lives, he holds my future. (laughs) He left to go and prepare a place for me. And he's prepared to meet me face to face to judge my actions. But I'm not afraid of that. Because that judgment is not whether or not I get into heaven. That judgment is how he's going to reward me for the good things that I've done. You see, that's the great privilege I have as a Christian who's saved and filled with his spirit, is that when I stand before Jesus, it's not going to be a whether or not I can get into heaven. He's going to judge my actions here on earth. And according to my actions here on earth, he's going to then reward me for my good deeds. You ever hear of storing up treasure in heaven? (laughs) He holds my future. And then one of the last things the, the old hymn says is because he lives... Life is worth living. Now that I know he's alive and he's preparing a place for me, I know that he's with me, overseeing me, and he's coming back for me. I can live life to the fullest. The only thing holding me back is me. I can take chances with boldness not caring what the world says about me because the only thing that matters is what Jesus thinks and says about me life is worth living because he lives it's worth living because he lives he didn't die for me to act dead he died for me to live he died for all of us to live and to live life to the fullest. No holds bar. Everything in. Let's go for it. Let's get in trouble for talking about Jesus. Let's get in trouble for building his kingdom. Let's get in trouble for delivering people from the enemy. Let's get in trouble for getting folks saved. Let's live. Let's live. Just go live. Live a life worth dying for. Father, we bless you today. Lord, all the days that I've served you since 12 years old, I've never been more confident than I am right now that you're alive and I'm alive. 
I've never felt more alive than I do right now. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me life, for pulling me out of darkness and death and despair and blindness and pulling me into your abundant life, giving me your spirit to live inside of me. I'm full of hope, faith, trust. I'm full of your love and acceptance. I'm good enough. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being alive to me. I pray that all of us today would know that you're alive. And that God, because, because Jesus lives, we can live. So I tear down in this moment, I tear down every lie the enemy's ever spoken over you. Every tactic he's ever used to try to hold you back and quench the fire of God inside of you. I break it and rebuke it in the mighty name of Jesus. I break every fear that's holding you back. I come against it in the name of Jesus and command it to die. And I call down the great love of God that cast out all fear over you today. That God, in this moment, we would experience your love like never before. And it would expel all of our fears. So Jesus, we bless you and we thank you. In your name, amen.